1: Well, certainly my dog that I had growing up, no longer with us, but was indeed a part of the family. I think anybody uh, who has animals in their life, that that is the case, as they do, they just become like another member of your family, uh, especially, oh uh, gosh, I really miss my dog, but uh, well, it was always happy to see me and cheer me up if I was having a bad day. I, as many listeners know, I'm also a horse lover and uh, it's certainly been my therapy over the years. The only thing that helps me switch off is being with horses and, and horse riding and all that sort of stuff. But um, from a more kind of structured and serious perspective, increasingly animals are being used as therapy pets. So things like visiting patients in hospitals and nursing homes. Um, I know I have a friend who has a fantastic dog for their child who has autism and has done just tremendous uh, work in, uh, in helping that child just to really progress and do well. This It absolutely fascinates me, this whole area, just how animals can really enrich our lives in so many ways. In studio to tell us a little bit about this and also a very interesting new piece of legislation that was passed in California. We have Pete Devet with us in studio. Pete, it's great to have you back with us. First chat of 2019. Happy New Year.
0: Good morning and happy New Year to you too.
1: So therapy dogs and also there isn't just dogs, there's all sorts of animals that are kind of therapy animals, aren't there?
0: That's true. You mentioned horses and indeed there was a video recently of horses visiting people in hospital and I heard another one more locally. Um, um, there's a, a project called Thea's Challenge where um, a woman who had issues to do with seizures and a neurological condition um, she used a horse she used a horse to learn how to walk again how to get a speech back because what she discovered was she discovered that when she was actually leading the horse out if you like that her her, her movements are much more controlled and balanced and something to do when you're walking beside a horse you're very aware of them beside you um your your level of, of 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 attention is very much focused on them rather than your own movements and so on. And so you just, you basically, it's hard to explain this stuff, but it ties in with all of this work with animals is that they function on an emotional level rather than an intellectual level. And so everything about humans that's emotional, the um, kind of, you know, um, the non-verbal communications, um the way that we do things intuitively, anything that involves those kinds of aspects of our life, we can do really, really well with animals and they can help us do well in those ways.
1: It absolutely fascinates me. My confirmation name was after St. Francis of Assisi. I've always loved... Animals, and just from a faith perspective, have been interested in you know um, stories over the years of holy people who've had these connections with animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but in, it's a shame in some ways. Now we're only really kind of catching up. I I saw a really interesting program, and it was about dogs that were trained to help people who suffered from epilepsy and predict epileptic attacks, so that when one was coming, the dog would know in advance, alert the owner, and the owner would just get to a safe place, you mm-hmm. know, where they wouldn't be kind of banging their head off some you know dangerous corner table or something. Uh, mm. it, it kind of makes you wonder, how do they discover these things about just the wonders of animals? I,
0: I think what it is, is, is just good observation.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it, it, if we pay attention when we're with animals, we can often pick up uh, different aspects of, of how they can help us. Another example is medical detection dogs. And how that started was that um, somebody had, a woman actually developed a, 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 um, a skin lesion, like a little blemish on her skin and she wasn't particularly worried about it but she noticed that her dog was all the time sniffing it and licking it continually doing that and the dog never normally did that and rather than just ignoring the dog and telling it was being silly she paid attention and she went to the doctor and said I know this is silly but my dog keeps sniffing at this lesion of my skin which I'm not worried about and the doctor took one look at it and said well that, I'm afraid that looks like it could be malignant and it, indeed it did turn out to be malignant and what's gone on from there is they've trained dogs To detect cancer. So they, they, what they actually do is they take urine samples from a whole bunch of men with suspected prostatic cancer and they get the dogs to sniff these in a controlled way. And they're better at detecting the prostatic cancer than conventional medical um, diagnostics. So, there's lots of different ways that we're learning more about how animals work.
1: It's interesting, Pete, that you're talking just about the kind of um, the way we emotionally can connect with animals. But do you think there's an emotional intuition as well that animals can have? And I'm pregnant at the moment. And one thing that fascinates me is, for example, being around horses that ordinarily would be uh, maybe a little bit skittish or you'd be mm-hmm. extra careful around are completely different. They become, uh, the especially mares, especially female horses, become uh, very docile. And it's like this intuition that they know. Uh, they got to be extra careful
0: around you. Well, it's very interesting, all that stuff. Uh, probably the biggest change since I qualified as a vet 30 years ago has been in how we understand animal um, personalities or intelligence. When I qualified back in the mid-80s, they used to say, well, animals are basically a bunch of reflexes. You know, they're not conscious like us humans. Um, They they don't don't, have emotions. They don't really have emotions and stuff. Um, They just, like, you poke them, they move away as a reflex. So that's all changed now. And what we now realize is, and it's logical if you think about it, um, our consciousness evolved over years to the stage where we are now as intelligent, talking, conscious, thinking, rational humans. But way before we became that far, our emotions developed. And emotions are very primitive aspects of the brain. So so reptiles have emotions. All the bits of brain that um, govern the more... Uh, intuitive parts of life are there in more primitive animals. So it's completely wrong to think that animals don't feel emotions and don't have intuition. Quite the reverse. These aspects of their consciousness are way more important to them than they are to us. So if you like, they are experts in these areas and we should learn to rely on that and to use that to benefit ourselves and, and the animals by working with it.
1: And they can teach us a lot. Um, one of the things that I strongly believe is um, how we treat animals, and if that means badly, is it's an indictment, first of all, of us. But I think when we respect the creatures of this earth, um, it says a lot about us. And I know there's a new law in California that's looking at uh, the sale of cats and dogs in stores, and they're trying to kind of change this um, to make it so that they'll... that that basically these animals can only be is it rescue animals or how is the, what's the law proposing?
0: Yeah, so so basically in the States already um, only licensed puppy mills that's what they call puppy farms in, in, in the States they're basically facilities where there's loads and loads of puppies produced on a commercial basis they have to be licensed in order to sell their puppies to pet shops and the pet shops then resell them so that's what happens across the states but in california specifically they made the extra decision that puppies can no longer be sold from pet shops so if you want to buy a pedigree puppy you have to go straight to the puppy mill
1: okay and, so, uh, and, and see where where the puppy being so, so
0: then there's no hiding the background then you can see for yourself how they've been produced and the alternative to that is people to buy puppies from rescue shelters so that's what California's done and it seems like a very progressive new law um Interestingly, in the UK, they've introduced a similar type of law where they just right now in the new year, they're banning what they call the third-party sale of of puppies. What that means is that you can no longer buy a puppy from somebody who's bought it from somebody else. You can only buy a puppy from the person who's bred it, and that's it. So that, again, means that people will be driven straight to the puppy farms, and puppy farms are not going to like that because... They That's don't re- conditions. Yeah, they don't see themselves as having a shop front. They see themselves as producers who sell to a shop front, so they wouldn't be happy with that. Now in Ireland, we're a long way from having that sort of legislation, but it looks like it's the trend. If you see it starting in California, and then the UK there, yeah. we're, we're, we're likely to be next. Um, so because it's happening, space. yeah, it's
1: happening a lot and there's already been a few stories in the last few months of, uh, of the same thing where they're, they're finding basically th- uh, these puppies found in really bad conditions yeah. and, and, and there's all sorts of other impacts isn't there Pete? I mean especially with these you know designer dogs where they're mixing like you know um, what's it called a cavachon so bijon freeze and a, mm. a king charles and, or if they're, if they're bred too closely it can actually lead to health complications and all sorts of things yeah
0: the designer breeds are the kind of buzz thing at the moment and there's nothing wrong with that in some ways in that if you have a mixed breed it's likely to be healthier than a purebred but one of the issues is that people who create designer breeds often don't do the 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 breed health tests which pedigree breeders will do so for example um if if a dog some pedigree dogs are prone to having very bad arthritis of the hips and elbows and um good breeders will make sure that they get their their dog's they're breeding dogs, x-rayed and checked by a vet to make sure they've got really healthy hips and elbows. But designer dog breeders are much less likely to do that. So in other words, although you may get some benefit of having crossbreeding, it's likely that the, the the pedigree dogs that have been used to create the crossbreed aren't as good quality as, as, as the other pedigree dogs, so therefore you're not going to end up with a better situation. I think uh, another thing about poppy farms pup, um, dogs, which is not usually mentioned in the media, is that... It's not just that it's the puppy farms are sometimes not great experiences for the puppies. It's also that we know that early socialization is really, really important for adult dogs. So puppies that don't have very comprehensive early socialization, mixing with people, different ages, children, adults, mixing with other dogs, mixing with... A normal kind the, of
1: home setting that they're going to be placed like in. Yeah. If they
0: don't get those experiences in the first three months of life... These puppies end up as fearful dogs for their entire lives. So they end up as anxious, nervous adult dogs. They end up with behavioral problems as a consequence. For example, they might be aggressive to other dogs and are out walking the park because they're frightened of other dogs. And these problems are so common. The most common cause of death in young male dogs is euthanasia because of bad behavior. Dogs get put down because they get to a year of age and people say, I can't cope with this mad dog anymore. The reason a dog is mad in the first place is often because of poor early socialization and often that's because they come from puppy farms. So that's all these things are very important um, and people who are thinking about getting a new dog, you do need to do your research very carefully. Google choosing a new puppy before doing anything else. There's lots of really good fact sheets out there explaining what you should do to make sure that you avoid these kind of problems.
1: And also just to remind people as well um, to maybe go to the likes of Dogs Trust or the local SPCA that's near you and maybe you'll consider rehoming an animal and I know even Dogs Trust for example do where you can adopt a dog for a few Mm. weeks see how you get on. Does it work for you and your family? Is it something that you can commit to? It's a big big commitment. I think it's a great idea for people to do that because it is. It's It's a big commitment to make
0: adopt don't shop that's what they say much better value um, and you're doing a good service as well if you choose a dog from a rescue center
1: as always some great advice and chat from my guest who's been with me in studio pete the vet pete wedderburn if you want to get in touch with pete his website is pete thanks pete thank you
0: thanks for listening to our spirit radio podcast don't miss out subscribe today find out how at spiritradio.ie